Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I Am Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Ramanaika. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm here. And t- today, Mike, we have so much to go over. I feel like I say that every week, but every week stuff's changing, and every week something new, big, and exciting happens in the world of sports. we got so much to go We're going to go over Wrestle Kingdom 14, the first ever two-night edition. If you are not a pro wrestling fan, that's okay. Stick with us for the ride, because after we talk Wrestle Kingdom, we're going to talk... The Patriots losing in the wild card round for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk college football playoff, the finals, Clemson versus LSU. Who do we got there? We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk the Andre Drummond rumors, whether or not he possibly could be on the move, as the Pistons are clearly not putting it together here. The injuries continue to pile up, and of course, because the Lions are officially out of it and they're not in the playoffs, which means the return of one of our favorite segments of the show, the Mark Zone mock draft. Corner. Mm-hmm. So the first edition 2020 version of the Merck Zone Mock Draft Corner. It's going to be really fun. We'll go through the first couple rounds. If, you ha- if you're if you not familiar with the Merck Zone Mock Draft Corner, we'll go over it at the end of the show before we go into it. But, Mike, let's talk right off the bat. We literally just got done watching this. We just got done watching the Wrestle Kingdom Day 2, right? It happens at like 2 a.m. here in the States when it, was when it starts. Yeah. So we just got done watching it. I mean, give me your overall thoughts on it. Um, I, I, can we say spoilers at this point? I mean, do we? I mean, do we? Can we do it? Do I uh, just go spoiler alert? Yeah, spoiler alert. Let's give it five seconds. Okay. There will be spoilers talked about in this show. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. Sweet. <laughs> we we give it up long pauses, but Tetsuya Naito beats Jay White night one for the mm-hmm. Intercontinental Championship. Okada beats Abushi, right? I'm saying a lot of words right now that people may not recognize, but if you don't know what we're talking about and you seem interested, please uh, go to New Japan World. Buy it's ten, it's nine bucks. Watch the show, you'll be amazed. I promise you. Um, and so, world title versus Intercontinental title. Naito finally beats Okada night two, crowning moment. Clearly, yeah. first guy ever to hold the Intercontinental and World Championships together. Finally beats Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. He's clearly the guy you mm-hmm. think, right? You know, gets his moment finally. Thoughts, you know, are you happy with the decision? Yeah. Are you upset with the decision? Yeah, it was it was, <laughs> it was a great time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was my favorite match out of the entire show. No, both I don't days, think so. But it was very solid and it mm-hmm. was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I actually think Ibushi Okada might right. be the best, best match. match. Out of the three title matches that we had. Uh, yeah. You know, because yeah. out of the three for the actual, with some actual ink it, in yeah. There, yeah. Yeah, that might have been the best match. That might have been the best Russell Kingdom match in, besides Okada Omega and 11, yeah. maybe ever. Yeah. So, I mean, I that had some, some strong that, words, that, man. That, that, some good, that some great stuff. Had some good Nakamura Shinsuke matches. Or yeah. Shinsuke and uh, Tanahashi match a couple yeah. years ago. But, no, I agree with you, though. That I think that, great, that, though. that the two nights, right, I think it was a great concept, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, uh, even going in, Okada, Naito was kind of what I predicted. I was like, okay, if this is happening, it needs to be Naito's time. And it mm-hmm. was, right? But they still kept me engaged. They still kept everything kind of in play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts on Abushi not winning the championship here? He wins the G1 Climax, wins the big tournament. to decide, you know, He's going to the main event, right? It's kind of like yeah. WWE's version of the Royal Rumble, but a lot harder to win. Uh, yeah, um, five times harder right. to win. So he wins, he wins the tournament, right? Everyone thinks, okay, maybe now is the time before they kind of went with this double gold thing. Mm-hmm. Um are, are you concerned at all that kind of he lost a lot of momentum? He loses to Jay White night two, albeit a lot of interference, yeah. right? Uh, are you concerned at all with him, you know, and where he's going, knowing where he, in the big year he had in 2019? Uh, I'm not too concerned, only because I think this is just like the roadblock in the long-term booking that New mm-hmm. Japan does to get them over the top. Right. I think it just wasn't his time. It wasn't his time. Even though yeah. it could have been his time yeah. if they booked it, right. but... Uh, I think you can go back into the G1, have a strong outing, and then do it sometime next oh, year. Yeah, or absolutely. even sometime in this year, you can still do what it. What I think is like it. most like important for Ibushi going forward is a solid IC title run. Because yeah. Naito's not going to hold both titles for a super long amount of time. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming he drops the Intercontinental way before the world title. So because of that... If Abushi gets at some point the Intercontinental Championship and rolls with it six, seven, eight months, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think that will legitimize him. I mean, that doesn't mean he wins the G1 again or anything like that, but no. like, the fact that he's 
in that conversation all the time as a top guy and mm-hmm. like he is the guy now where if he if he holds that for a long time has some quality matches against some good people and kind of lives in the Naito realm for a minute there kind of plays the Shinsuke role where Shinsuke at any point in time could have been world champion but he made emphasis on the Intercontinental title made it yeah. mean something I think that really could help him elevate him so when he does finally achieve the Golden World Champion everybody goes oh yeah I I, I feel that yeah. I can understand that you know what I mean um any surprise on the show anything that lets you down. Any match or any any matches that we watch over the last two days where you just go, yeah, it sounded good, but just didn't deliver for me. I know it's hard. This is a, this is a pretty good card overall, but I mean, is there anything kind of just went meh? Um, I was I guess nothing really let me down. I wasn't yeah. really looking for the never open weight. Yeah, and that one was just kind of kind of fell flat for me. Not yeah. a lot really happened in that match. Right. Um. Let's see what else happened on the show. Um, everything else is really, really good, though. I yeah. thought the British Heavyweight Championship actually was really wasn't good. really looking forward to, and yeah. it kind of blew me out of the water. Yeah. Um, but we say that every single time we talk about Zack Sabre Jr. Man. I know. It feels like we're just like, eh, okay, you know, it's nothing. Yeah. But then, you know, really good, technical, completely different yeah. from everything else on the show by far. Yeah, I think maybe the Moxley Juice match was a little underwhelming, too, yeah. for the power, like, the power that they have in that match. Yeah. Um, so that was probably underwhelming, but everything mm-hmm. else was... If not strong to yeah, like very, excellent, yeah, absolutely. Like type quality yeah, they, stuff, they really so. they really came about it. I'll say a match that kind of I didn't think was going to be as good as it was. I didn't think Jericho Tanahashi was going to be all that great. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, I don't. It just they're getting up there in age, right? They're not able to do as much as what they were used to be able to. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. just some things there that are kind of playing with it. But I will say that they did a great they did a great job. They told a really 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 nice story. Right, they added the wrinkle with the AEW Championship contendership thing to yeah. kind of throw a little monkey wrench into there, um, and Jericho getting the win right by submission, I think, just you know increases that value. I would not be shocked to see a New Japan AEW relationship in the future. I oh think no, I wouldn't either. I think it's only kind of like, all right, you might as well just do it. Yeah. You know, um, it, it makes a lot of sense, especially because, quite frankly, and we've talked about this before, AEW is really hurting on depth of talent right yeah. now. And especially on baby faces, mm-hmm. you know. So to have some of those guys come in here, you know, and, and really, you know, add, boost some stock, I think, I think would really help, you know, oh, long term. I, for I sure. definitely agree. If you can bring in guys like Zack Saber and Sonata and Evil and stuff, oh, yeah, just for like one offs, right? Like certain shows and stuff. Fantastic. I think you can boost. Oh, right, for all sure. Types of stuff. Well, I think it just adds depth, right? Like, yeah, that's you know, what I mean. Imagine like Sonata and Evil, great tag team, right? They come in now; they're part of the tag team division with AEW. Yeah. I mean, good lord. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff that you can do there. Anything that shocked you in this show? Anything at all? Anything where you just go, totally didn't call that. We 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 played out the double title thing to death. You know what I mean? Yeah. We really went through every scenario a couple shows back. Go to our archives and listen to that in the descriptions. Um, but as far as something that kind of took you by surprise where you go, nope, didn't see that one coming. Or something where like you had a feeling it may come, but you just didn't know if they'd pull the trigger. Um, I didn't think Moxie was gonna hold the title through both nights. Yeah. Um, since he is with AEW and right. he's like a vocal point in right. AEW. Yeah. I was like, I doubt he's gonna win both. Or like he's yeah. gonna win the like he could beat Archer, but I thought he would drop it the next night Did or even right. just lose in general. Right. And he kept it through both nights. Yeah. Spoiler alert, I guess. Setting up, uh, yeah, setting up a huge match with was, Suzuki. Yeah, though, which is gonna be Suzuki. And then I guess That's awesome. I wasn't shocked that Tanahashi won the junior heavyweight title, but like at the same time, I went. I felt like coming right back. Yeah. I thought he would lose it, maybe win best of the supers, and then win it at the at the finals of that or right. something. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just give it a few more months to build right. up to right. the final match or something. I will say though that it's a match that if if people haven't seen that match, while Osprey Hiromu Takashi, it was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Truly, truly. I mean, we I mean, we talk, we sing Will Ospreay's praises enough here I, on this show, oh, oh. but I will say that match really stuck out to me night one especially. Uh, night one, not as many title matches as night two, but is very important if you're going to watch the event as a whole. You, gotta, you really need to watch night one to set up yourself for night two. Um, but I, I think that match, I think it's kind of flying under the radar a little bit right now, yeah. and I think that was a phenomenal match. Um, I'll say that one thing I kind of was a little surprised by, I think I actually had them winning Juice and Dave Finley winning the, the tag titles. Yeah. I think I said they were going to win, yeah. but I, in the back of my mind, I go, I don't really know if they should win. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of when I was like, I don't know. And I get why trying to build up another tag team, totally understand it. But it was just kind of like, I feel like if there's one weakness right now in New Japan, it would be their heavyweight and their junior tag division. Mm-hmm. I feel like those are kind of 
a little shallow as far yeah. as depth goes right now, especially when you have teams like Evil and Sonata that are kind of breaking off a little bit. Um, you you know, I think Sho and Yo, I think even though they won the junior tags yes today, this morning, whatever, um, I think they can easily break off and be singles as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Ishii and El Fantasma even could be singles in the junior division. So there's a lot of lot of chaos going on there, but I would say that that was the one match that kind of I guess not really surprised me, but more I was like, I don't know if I'm necessarily on board with, oh no with, with, i was, I was decision a, i was on board yeah but i was like i guess if you yeah. want to try to i also wasn't really game. thrilled with goto winning the never open way title yeah. back i i know why considering kenta runs out at the end of the night to to yeah. win to you know challenge naito give naito a solid win early on in mm-hmm. the rain but at the same time i was like yeah but you know which like, is also one thing i absolutely hate about booking yeah is you lose the never open weight, but you're like, no, no, no but I'm going to challenge for the world heavyweight. Like, yeah, right. right now, yeah, right it's away. more like, yeah, it's just like, well, he brought, he won the race to the curtain. Almost. Yeah, no. And I was sitting there going, so like, shouldn't Goto get first if right, he yeah. like just beat you? Well, that's hard because it's like, okay, so Goto wins it and then you challenge for it. Okay, now you diminish the value of the never open weight. Yeah, you know I know. What I mean, so it's hard to be like, oh, okay, it's hard for, and I think they're saving those bigger matchups, a rematch with Okada, the Jay White thing. I think they're saving that. For oh yeah. Oh no, I, I totally get why. Of the year. I just thought it was like out of anybody that you could have oh, thrown yeah. out there. You're just for like, sure. yeah, we're just gonna put out Kenta who just lost yep. an hour ago. Yeah, I think it's more of a solid base. Yeah. Like, okay, easy. Naito gets the win here, and we're kind of rolling yeah. for sure. What? What? Out of uh, you know, uh, give me a letter grade for the show. A, B, C, D. Um, for what we watched, I'd give it like an A minus, B plus. Yeah. Because I do think. Like, we don't watch the eight-man tags to open night one. Yeah. Like, there no. were, like, four matches. Jushin Thunder Liger, by the way, retiring, you know? Yeah. Um, absolutely historic career. If you haven't seen him, he's the originator of moves like Shooting Star Press. Um, tremendous, tremendous career overall, but... Yeah, yeah we don't we don't watch, like, those, like, t- first four matches. Yeah. And then we didn't watch the pre-show of the second night and the first two matches there. Mm-hmm. So we kind of just, like, missed chunks of the show. Yeah. But for the beef and the title matches of the show, right. it's probably, like, B-plus right. material. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say, A-minus. you know, I think we delivered pretty much all the way through. Um, I, I would probably agree with that. I think A-minus is a, an acceptable grade. I think a couple matches got a little bit of time. I didn't think we went a little too long. About yeah. Juice and... Dean Ambrose went a little long. Mm-hmm. Thought the Never Open title went a little long, you know. Um, certain matches like that, I think. But overall, really tremendous, oh, yeah. tremendous show. Absolutely. All right, let's shift now from from the squared circle for a second. Let's go right into. I want to talk about Andre Drummond. Is what I want okay. to talk about next. I want to talk about the the Pistons big man. There were some reports that came out this week about him possibly being dealt. There's a couple teams that are in on it. I know the Mavs have called. Mm-hmm. I know Atlanta has called. I think, uh, who else? I think someone else was. Boston. Boston, right? Yeah. Um, there's a couple of teams I think that we may be missing and there. the Raptors. Ra- is that the Raptors? Okay. So all those teams calling in, you know, trying to see the availability. Obviously, Andre Drummond in the last year of his contract, he does have a player option for next season, right? But it very easily could opt out of that at any point in time. It's why it's there. Um, Pistons, I think, are 12 and 22 right now, or something like that. 10 games, 11 games under 500. You're not really in a playoff race right now. Blake's ailing. You're still missing Reggie. Rose is doing what he can, but he's not 100% either. You're missing a lot of pieces. You don't. You're not there yet, clearly. Um, so the Pistons are doing, I think, what every every good run operation should. Is like, okay, clearly we we need to take some time here. Get some assets, knowing he's playing. Drummond's playing pretty well. Yeah. So to get him off the books, to kind of get something for him before he goes, especially if he's not in your future plans. Thoughts on would you would you even deal Andre Drummond, knowing the state of the franchise that you're in right now? You're kind of in this purgatory kind of mode right um, now. Yes, because I hate when teams are in purgatory. Yeah. And like you know you're there. Right. Like and you just refuse to let it go. Yeah, because like <laughs> the seem like these Pistons the last like four years have been like, we're like we can get the eighth seed. Right. But and that's that's as far yeah. as you can get though. Right. right. And you're kinda of staying in purgatory because you don't want to move off because you don't want to be the nine and seventy three mm-hmm. team. Right. But at the same time you're like, we're not good enough to go anywhere right, at right, all so right. you're just stuck we're in not a 50 win club yeah so like you're stuck in purgatory of 41 and 41 every single year mm-hmm. and so i'm like just take this year and maybe next year or something and just break it down and then start rebuilding because if mm-hmm. you do it now i think you can quickly get back mm-hmm. where if you wait two or three years right. you're almost too late where you yeah. have to wait more time right yeah on, absolutely in the down run so yeah. i would i would dish them out as soon as possible yeah and for some of the offers that you might get back like the hawks are thinking about possibly giving you 
Parsons, who's in the um, expiring deal. Right. You can maybe get Cam Reddish out of him, who's a nice rookie and a first-round pick. I'll yeah. go. Done. There you go. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think and I think that's important is the fact that by doing this, the this is not an onus to all of a sudden flip the script and try to win now, right? This is yeah. not a ter- – I think people need to make sure that they're understanding that, that this is a move to say, okay – Clearly, this is not going to work this year, right? I don't think anybody came in thinking the Detroit Pistons were a championship contender, obviously. But did I think they could have easily been, you know, a 5-6 seed? Probably, if they were healthy and came out the way they needed to. But because of that, though, because of those things, I think you need to evaluate, all right, what can we get? So if you're going to get younger, you're getting an expiring deal, Reggie Jackson's uh, contract is coming off the books after this season, too, right? You've got, I think everybody likes your rookie in Sim, whatever his name is. The Saint-Cousin-Boyu. There you go. Sure. He got it. Right? The Frenchman, I like to call him. Yes. Um, you know, they like him. They like Bruce Brown. Do you have D. Rose for another year? You like some of these pieces that you have, right? Mm-hmm. Blake Griffin, obviously, here for the long term. No one's taking that contract. And that's okay. Um... But because of that, I think that you have enough young, and, and if you can continue to get younger, especially if the Hawks are going to be bad and you're going to be bad, and you got a couple shots here at getting a top three pick in the lottery, like we talked about a couple days ago, I think that is an extremely forward-thinking move to go. Okay, clearly we're not ready for it now. Yeah. There's some teams out there, the Lakers, the Clippers, you know, uh, you know, those teams that are kind of built for right now. Mm-hmm. We're not built for right now, so let's get ahead of it and let's build for five years from now. You know what I mean? And let's let's really start to develop some talent, really cultivate. Because I, I do like their coach. I do mm-hmm. like Dwayne Casey a lot. I think he's a guy who can kind of take and elevate some of these guys. And I think that's why they're even as close as they are right now. Is without the injuries, I think they'd be more of a five hundred ball club, yeah. if not a little bit above. You know, with all the injuries, the fact that they're even doing anything mm-hmm. is surprising. So yeah, would be interesting for sure. What I mean, if there's a team that you think Drummond could flourish on the most for him to maximize his value going into free agency is there any team that you think oh my gosh like if this team scooped him up that could really elevate them to another level um uh boston would probably benefit the most yeah only because they use the stretch five in al horford yeah. but they don't have that nice well, thing horford's, that's... Gone. horford's in philly oh yeah he is in philly yeah. no they have the uh, there's another yeah their other center yeah not horford the other center i think his name's like baines or something yeah, right, right he shoots threes also mm-hmm. and um he, they stretch the floor with him but they don't have that guy who's like, all right, I'll you just man get the you. Middle. The, yeah, yeah man the and middle. so if you if they get that and they have Tatum, Brown, and um, no, I'm not signing Kemba Walker <laughs> as guards on the outside, right. being yeah. able to move the ball around, and then you have your nice like big right. get 17 rebound a game kind of guy. Yeah, I think he can flourish very well in there. Right, absolutely. No, I think I think that's a great. I think he'd be excited to go. Honestly, right, oh, yeah. a team that's in contention theoretically in contention yeah. for an NBA championship, right, especially in the East, where you know I think. A little wide open, honestly. You yeah, know? I mean, it's more wide open. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the West, West is a two-team race, if we're being honest. Yeah, so, and it's you know, hopefully they meet in the finals, not like earlier on, because I'll be really bummed. <laughs> oh, yeah, conference finals. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah, right. Um, no, I think it'd be a great spot for him. You know, I think if you're looking to put up straight numbers, I think Atlanta's not a terrible place to go because Atlanta, at least, you're gonna get the ball. Hell of a lot, you know. You oh, yeah, young, yeah. You know, as far as for, from a Drummond perspective. Oh, right, yeah. If I you're think, trying to put up the yeah, highest numbers, you right, probably go to Atlanta. Right. I think Dallas is an interesting spot, spot as well because you already have you Kristaps there. You got Luka there, Tim Hardaway Jr. You have some pieces there that work. I don't know exactly where he'd fit. That's, that's you know, my problem. Unless you're going to do like a twin tower thing. Kristaps plays the four, a really big four. <laughs> yeah. Then you put Drummond at the five. It's weird, but once again, if you're talking about structure and a good coach, I mean... You know that that's you're, how you're the Lakers, there with Rick Carlisle. That's I mean, kind of how the Lakers have it, though. Coach. Lakers have Anthony Davis who can spread out the court, and then Javale right. McGee's just kind of there. Right. And Andre Drummond's a better Javale McGee. Oh yeah. And but Anthony Davis better. Chris I guess. Yeah, but right. like <laughs> it balances out. Yeah, it right. balances yeah, out. Sure. I, I think way. Dallas is in a spot where they're kind of like maybe we can make a little bit of a run, kind of, sort of, maybe. I, I think they can. Beat they can shock anybody. some people. Yeah. Right. Exactly. At any time, and that's that's what you want. You want to be dangerous like that. So. Really interesting. We'll kind of keep everybody updated on that. We'll see if he does wind up getting traded. What is the what is coming back to Detroit? It better be a first round pick in there. I tell you that right now. It better yeah. be that because if not, um, somebody got swindled. But I'm glad that they're at least approaching it with the fact that he may leave. Even no matter what he says, he might leave anyway. So 
it, it's very it's very good that they're they're looking at it. They're looking at trying to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. You know, not because of his play, but more uh, for the future of the franchise. So it'll be be very interesting. Plus, I think you're gonna give if they're gonna go full on like, hey, you know, if we are gonna go and sell this season down the river a little bit, get a lot of young guys some time. You know, oh yeah. Wood, Sam, you know what? You know, the Frenchman, Seku, Seku, whatever. I don't know, dude. Come all right, on. I get it. All right, you're a Thon Maker <laughs> fan, and you're not a Seku Demboya fan. I would What's say I'm a Thon Maker fan because he's hilarious. That's why I'm a Thon Maker fan. Okay, if he hits one three a game, I am so stoked. But let Blake rest it out, right? You know, D, even D Rose, I would just you know just you know whatever he wants to do at that point, yeah. let him make that call. But everybody else, you got a lot of young guys on this team. Let's just go, hey. Let's see what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Let's go balls to the wall and see what happens. And hopefully, hopefully, you see that some of these guys rise up and all of a sudden you're playing good basketball in a couple years. So it'll be very interesting. All right, we're going to go to break. After the break, though, we're going to talk big Patriots loss to the Tennessee Titans. First time they lost the wild card, and I can't remember how long. 2009. There you go, 2009. See, Mike's got it right off the top of his head there. Uh, we're going to talk Patriots. We're going to talk college football playoff, the finale, Clemson LSU. Mike's got some hot takes there. Right, and, right. of course, the return of the Mark Zone mock draft. It is draft season for us here in Detroit. Once again, it's like the Super Bowl, except only better. All after the rat, all after that, after the break, stick around. Hey, guys, it's the mouth of Michigan, Robin Deck, And you've been hearing me talk about my buddy, Nick DiStefano, for such a long time now. And I keep telling you this, and the reason why he continuously pops up on the show is for one simple reason. He's the best. It's that simple. I would not be endorsing this guy if I didn't have 100% confidence that he is the right guy for you. If you're buying, if you're selling, if you're a first-time home buyer, he is the guy to go. He, he's the guy who helped me find my house. He's the same guy who's helping Mike find his house. Everything that you want to know about real estate, he is the guy. He just broke out on his own. He's been killing it. He wants a, you to be a lifetime client. He sent, he sent me a birthday card this year, guys, okay? A birthday card. I didn't ask him to do it, but he did it anyway. You know why? Because he wants to make sure that he builds a relationship with you for life. He wants to make sure you're in the right house for you, whether it's condo, apartment, whatever it is. He is the guy. That's Nick DiStefano, 586-556-0304. Or give him an email, nick at nickd.realty. I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about him. He's the man. He's the nicest guy. He's definitely going to be the one to hook you up. He's going to be blunt. He's going to be honest with you about what house you should look at, why you should like this one, why you should not like this one. He's going to be the guy who you can rely upon. And if guess what? If you want to go see five houses in a day, he's your man. If you want to go see ten houses a day, he's your man. He's the kind of guy you want on your side when you're making one of the biggest purchases of your life. Once again, that's Nick DiStefano. That's 586-556-0304. Now here's part two of this week's episode. And welcome back to part two of episode 58 of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. Let's just jump right in, Mike. Pat's. 14, I guess 20 to 13, because they had the pick six at the end there. 20 to 13 lose to the Tennessee Titans. The New England Patriots are out. You're going to have new Super Bowl champions this year. Craziness going on here in the world of the NFL. But let's talk about New England for a second there. I know there's been a lot of people coming out and saying this could potentially be the end of the road for New England. Now, Mike, I want to ask you that question because I don't know if I'm really ready to say, okay, well, they're just going to be total butt for the rest of the time that yeah. Brady's there or whatever, but like that. But is is this it? Is this like the first sign of, you know, the towers falling? Yeah. I, I personally think it, it's – I think it actually started a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look back at how dynasties fall, yeah. the Patriots are going to have like a perfect fall from grace, mm-hmm. and it was going to be a nice gradual fall that everyone's going to be okay <laughs> with. Yeah. So – we go back to Super Bowl 51, one of the best Super Bowls I can ever remember watching, yeah, right. and it was the 28-3 to comeback. Right. Then they go win that one. Yep. Then the Patriots are like, all right, we're on a roll. <laughs> and then you go to Super Bowl 52, and then they lose because Brady fumbles the ball on the right. last drive of right. the game. Right. That's when most teams would go, okay, we're now not. the decrease is going to start. Right. Then when D. Ford is two inches off sides, and they're about to lose the game, Patriots went, no, no, no. That just helped us win the game. Yeah. And then they go win a Super Bowl when they should have probably been out in that AFC Championship game. Right. So to make this loss feel a little less like, okay, now we're kind of just falling off. Like, right. like gradually, right. nicely right. and stuff. Yeah. Now you kind of look at it and go, well, we won a Super Bowl last year. So, like, this isn't really done. Like, fans aren't, like, coming to grace with it. Yeah. Because it just... Oh, it's like a fluky thing because it only happened once. Right. But realistically, it, it should have been more of a gradual pace down. Right. And I think I don't think they'll be 
bad, but when you look at the division they're in, yeah. it's probably going to be the strongest it's ever been because yeah, the Jets are on the rise right now. Right. Miami has 14 first-round picks, <laughs> so how can they not get better? Yeah, right. And the Bills are a 5C playoff team. Right, that almost should have won yesterday. Yeah, yeah, with probably the coach of the year, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Maybe right. it's him and maybe Mike Tomlin or John Harbaugh for how they've been raising their team's levels. Right. Um. So... I think it's going to be, if it's not the end, I think it's going to be the end of, like, total dominance right. by them. I right. think they can find ways with that defense, and mm-hmm. they have Brady to, like, maybe find ways to seep through games and stuff. Right. But they're not going to be like, oh, right. Miami Jets, we're going to sweep them every single right. year. Like, and it's going to be dogfights every year. Yeah, and, I, and I, I agree with you to a certain extent, right? And we talked about the offense has kind of fallen off a bit, right? I, and it's still amazing to me how Josh McDaniels is a, is a candidate for um for coaching for head coaching jobs considering the fact that a he did the thing with the Colts number one mm-hmm. and two you know the offense has not been as good as it has in years past um is this the end do you think of, of Tom Brady right like he's already said he's probably coming back right yeah. he's gonna be an unrestricted free agent mm-hmm. which is something that we need to monitor but let's just assume he comes back to New England yes. right they don't have a guy like waiting let's be mm-hmm. real um not anymore. right so. With that being said, you know, he you know, is this the end where are we gonna see kind of, you know, not so much a Brett Favre esque kind of fall off, but are we gonna see a Peyton Manning fall off where like That's, all of a sudden we're just like, Man, it's like he's just average. I think you're you saw it a little bit this year. Yeah. And this is the kind of I'm waiting to see LeBron get where mm-hmm. you just kinda of go, he's just not there. Like right. he's still playing he's, there. He's a, he's a factor, but he's not the factor. Yeah, yeah Brady, right. you can start seeing this past year where there are games where you're just like, he doesn't really look like it's all right. there. Right. Like when he's throwing the ball, it looks like Paint Manning from what, two, 2015 when they won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. where it goes about 15 yards and you're like, it got there. <laughs> but like. Right, yeah. We're going to need some other factors. Yeah, we're going to get we're, him, yeah, yeah, we're right. gonna need more speed. We're going to need more of this. Right. We're going to need that defense mm-hmm. to be what it was the first eight weeks of the season, not right. the last eight weeks of the season, right. in order to win these games. And I think. I almost think that Brady chose the wrong time because now if he doesn't win it maybe next year mm-hmm. since they're out this year, you almost like, is he not going to win one and retire? Like, is right. he going to like, right. oh, didn't God, make the playoffs. God, like, God forbid he won six. <laughs> no, I know, but like, it's always oh, a nice... Go, go up at, at, yeah, you out, want out you top, always want right. to try your best at least to leave right. on, on top. top. Oh, yeah, for you sure. You know, like, yeah. like the Mannings or the Elway or whatever. Right, right. And if he doesn't get that another one and you're just like the next two or three years, he like either doesn't even make the playoffs or he's wild card exits. You're like, yeah, it's right. not a good, it's not right. a great look. I am going very, on. very interested to see what they do this off season. Honestly, you know, mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see, I, I'm assuming he resigns. I'd be stunned if he didn't. Mm-hmm. I think if he didn't, that's a bad move. Um, on both parties, honestly, because I don't think New England's prepared as either. Honestly, oh, no. especially if Josh McDaniels leaves, then you're in a whole world of hurt. But, um, I'm very interested to see because if they come out right, they go twelve and four next year, and they just they're a buzzsaw through everybody. You know what I mean? And you're just like, what happens? So it's very interesting to see yeah. where they are at. A big win by Tennessee, not to diminish anything like that, but the story obviously is New England. With that being said, I know we're kind of in the middle of playoff games as this is being recorded or really like that, but um, does this automatically for you, right? Does this set up? a run for one specific team? Like, did you think that New England was, like, a kryptonite for a certain team, especially in the AFC, to get to the Super Bowl? Like, does this automatically clear the path for a Baltimore or a Kansas City or a Houston or something? Well, I think it clears more of a path for an AFC championship game between the Chiefs and Baltimore. Yeah. Because you do now know 100% certain it's going to be Baltimore Titans, Chiefs, Texans as of this recording. Yeah. And when you look at those matchups, you go... There's, There's yeah, not a lot right. of way. Like, I was even saying, if the Titans did lose this game and Patriots went on, I don't think they get through Kansas City. Right. I think Kansas City is just too overpowered, and their defense is that much better than it was last it's, year. They're Oklahoma, but better defense. Yeah. Right. And the yeah. Patriots are just, like, a lesser version than they were last year. Maybe not by a lot, mm-hmm. but they're definitely a lesser version. Mm-hmm. So it was that close last year that I'm like, this year I don't think they would have gotten through. Right. And I think that would have been a nice, like, turnaround story or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that, now I'm just like, I think the Chiefs can just, and Baltimore are going to fly right through. Right. And they're probably going to be in the AFC Championship in two weeks. Right. Yeah. Uh, very, Sunday, very interesting. Which will be a phenomenal right. game. Right. I hope it wrong. is. Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I'm really interested to see the results of these NFC Championship, NFC wildcard games. Because that's going to... It's going to set up some stuff. Obviously, we can't talk about them as we don't know the results yeah. of them, obviously. Um, let's now, let's shift now a little bit from the NFL. Let's talk 
the college game here for a minute. Let's talk the finals. We're talking about it this week, guys, because by the time we record next week, the, the game will be on the next day when the episode drops. You won't have enough time to kind of listen and argue or call us idiots or whatever you want to do with it. Um, but Clemson, LSU, we promised it a couple weeks ago after we saw the Final Four, right, that we preview this matchup. You got, you know, Mr. Burrow here, Heisman Trophy winner, yada, yada, yada. But then on the other side, you've got Trevor Lawrence, guy who's never lost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he hasn't lost a game since high school. So, you know, I think obviously Clemson with the more hard-fought victory, clearly. I mean, yeah. that game went down, down to the wire. Um you know, LSU been riding high literally. I think honestly, since the middle of last year, I mean, they really started to kind of feel it. Even yeah. last year, they had some big wins. Um, you know, LSU looks like an unstoppable offense right now. Um, what are your thoughts? Just give me a preview of this game. I mean, what am I looking for as a Clemson guy that you are? You know, what are you looking for out of Clemson to get the win? Um, well, first off, I'm going to base off this by saying the fact that people are like, "Oh, Clemson's not as good because they haven't played anybody." Mm-hmm. They just shut everybody up by being <laughs> Ohio State. Because Ohio State is the best team in the country. Yeah. And Clemson just beat them. Right. So I don't want to hear that anymore. <laughs> I, whatever. But besides that point, yeah. I think that Clemson just, I think their defense, and everyone's going to be like, well, it didn't look great against Ohio State. 23 points is not bad against Ohio State. No, no, you know? no, no. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's no. one of those. First half looked rough. Not gonna first, lie half, first half was not great. But it was only a 16-point first half. Yeah. When it, it should have been right. more. Right. But oh, yeah. 16 points because of their best red zone defense. Right. Should have um, been a lot more. Yep, absolutely. And playing one of the best defense by far in the country and you being able to score 30 points against them mm-hmm. is a very good sign also. I think Trevor Lawrence and Clemson play in a way that the Patriots do normally mm-hmm. where they can they win ugly. They win by any means, mm-hmm. you know. All right, we have to run the ball right. 100 times to beat you. Right. We will. Right. Trevor Lawrence can beat you over the top. We right. will. Our defense sure. has to get that last one-yard drive or whatever. They will. They'll get right. that last second interception to right. seal the game. They'll, they'll just find that way. I don't think LSU, even though they played Alabama mm-hmm. in a big-time game, they played Georgia. Right. Oklahoma, it was a game. It was, it was a big-time <laughs> was game, a game, but they're not, they weren't at the level of it the other teams game. that they played. That I don't think you LSU is ready for what Clemson's going to be. that's that but honestly though, you know, joking aside, that's actually something that I don't think people are putting enough stock in. For as much crap as they give Clemson for not playing, and let's be clear, the ACC's terrible, right? Yeah. Totally terrible, right? They beat Ohio State, but LSU has not played a game yet this season. Even the Alabama game where they didn't dominate at some point. Yeah. Even that Alabama game, Alabama made a game late, mm-hmm. but the game was already out of hand in the first half. Yeah, it you was 35 I mean? to 7 at one point in the right, game. Exactly. They're going, okay, now they're holding on at yeah. this point, right? The Georgia game, same thing. They were up two scores before you knew it. The Oklahoma game was never a game. Never, yeah. It wasn't even close at any point in time. So the three big games you can point to on the schedule for LSU and go, okay, these are our three marks to say, you know, we're the best team in the country. I mean, they haven't faced anything yet where if Clemson goes up 10 or whatever, right? We haven't seen that. We know Clemson can get out of that hole. They just did it two weeks ago. But the fact that LSU has yet to really face that adversity, similar to what we said about Ohio State before they played Wisconsin, where it was like, you know, Ohio State's never played down. Yes. Ohio State's never played without a lead. You know, obviously they proved that they could do it. But point being is that that was something to where, you know, it's an underrated thing to look at. But sometimes these big teams, Ohio State when they played Florida, um, was another version of that, right? Where Florida comes out of nowhere, Chris Leak, who the hell is Chris Leak? Mm-hmm. They win a national championship because Ohio State just went through and destroyed everybody all season long. Yep. I would also argue too that, and to Ohio, and this is also Ohio State's problem, yeah. is you were winning in the fourth quarter. There was never a game where you were down and had to make. That there was game no sense drive. of urgency that okay, we gotta. This is the drive. Yeah, this is the drive. Yeah. Clemson had that earlier this year. They played Texas A and M in a close game, mm-hmm. and North Carolina they went on an eighty-five uh, yard, fifteen play drive to seal the game. Basically, right. North Carolina came back and they only won by one because right. they went for two and then right. sent it to overtime. Point being is that but they had being, to make the drive. They had to score. make the drive, and now they just made the drive. Trevor Lawrence did to beat Ohio State, basically, mm-hmm. and then the defense made the stop. Right. LSU has never had to make the drive yet. Right. LSU has been like, okay, so we have to hang on to a thirty-five to seven lead. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's just let's, not blow it. Let's just yeah. not blow the lead. You know, you play Georgia, you're up twenty eight seven. Let's just not blow this lead. Right. Oklahoma, you're up fifty six to zero. Let's not blow this lead. You have all these games where you're just like, okay, we're up by so much against Clemson. You're not going up. 
34-0 and being like, all right, let's hold the lead. Right. Because once it gets to, even if it gets to 10, 14, Mm -hmm. 17, 0, Clemson's like, all right, we have to go score. Trevor Lawrence is going to go, okay, we're going to go score. Right. Give me, give me your game plan if you're LSU. How do you win this game, right? Like, what, what makes you confident going into this championship game? Um, hope that your offense can just score yeah, on at will, at will almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think, I think their defense is still the weak part. You look at Oklahoma and Oklahoma can't score, but Clemson is another monster offensively yeah. that wasn't shown because they're playing. Ohio State, which is the best defense in the country. That's something, too, right? We talked up the Oklahoma offense quite a bit. And, you know, based off of their play, right, justly so. But I will say this. I think Clemson, and this, I think, plays into both sides, right, a bit to prevent a Clemson loss, but also LSU's like, I hope if Clemson offensively, I don't know what the hell is going on with Jimbo Fisher and his play calling that first half, but it was atrocious. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely it was atrocious. Bad. So, I think is to your point, right? LSU's defense clearly the weak point of that team. If there's a weak point, it's the defense, right? Yes. So with that being said, if especially if they can't rush the passer as well as they did against Oklahoma, right? Because early on they were in Jalen Hurts' face, right? If, if if Trevor Lawrence has a clean pocket, I don't know. As long yeah. as you know Clemson kind of gets out of their own way, I don't know. Uh, this may be another game where we see. A 40 burger on both sides. Yeah, well, because I look at Clemson's offense, you go, oh, my God, Ohio State, you only pull up 29. Okay, but then you play Virginia 62-17. Right. You scored over 45 points in the last eight games of the regular season. <laughs> so, like, yeah. it's not that their offense can't score. It's just you're no. playing such a fantastic defense. Right. LSU's defense is not Ohio State's defense. No, it is not. Nope. So, nope. I think... You've got I think, top five picks. Yeah. Two I, spots there. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you have a very reasonable 35... To forty points, Clemson can score. Yeah. Now LSU has shown the ability to score that many. Also on good defense, on good defense, on good defense. you're playing That's Alabama. Right. You play, you put forty six. Georgia. Georgia, you put up thirty eight. Right. So at the end of the game, so like all these teams, you can put up points. So I would, I would expect a pretty big shootout. Right. Right. Uh, honestly, it's. I think it's what defense can make the play. The like, play. The play. And right? the reason, a pick, a fumble, whatever it is. And the reason I pick Clemson is I think their red zone defense can make the play. Yeah. I think LSU's defense. Can't make the play right, and that's and that could be it. So you're going close to give me a score. What's the score in, in your opinion? Uh, I'm gonna go uh, 42-39 Clemson. Man, that'd be a hell of a game, my friend, yeah. right there. 42-39. Well, they did. Yeah, they put up 45 against Alabama last I'm gonna, year. So. I'm gonna actually side with you on the Clemson thing, and here's why. I, I as I've been on the show, right? As I said even before this week when New England was playing, right? Everyone's kind of like, and I said I can't root against New England. I can't say New England's gonna lose until I see it because every year they continuously show me that when playoff time comes, usually this year being a you know an asterisk so far, um, that they put it together, yes. right? Whether they win the Super Bowl, lose the AFC Championship, whatever it is, they're always there at the end, mm-hmm. right? Clemson now, over the past two years, and over the last pretty much five, ever even since Deshaun was there, they have proven not only that we can get there, and you're playing against a guy who hasn't lost a game in his college career. You're playing against probably the best coach in the country, in my opinion, probably, yes. right? It's him and Saban, regardless of who you want, you know. you know. That's I, the, that's I, think, the I think it's Stapo now. Right, but yeah, right, point being, right? Point being. You know, arguably speaking, you're playing against the best coach, right? A seasoned team. With, with the best quarterback, arguably, right, or one of the best quarterbacks in the country, you got we- – if, especially if all the weapons are there, the run game is there, he's a threat on the run. It's crazy to see this LSU team and this Clemson offense play each other because they're the, they do things very similar, mm-hmm. right? The read option, you know, you've got running backs that are – you know, you got interchangeable running backs, wide receivers just make plays Everywhere. out of nowhere. You know what I mean? It's going to be a, a great game, but I'm going to lean towards the experience – and the fact that once again, until Clemson loses, I can't say they're not the best team because mm-hmm. they haven't lost in two years. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just like Bama, just like any other team that's going on it. Until you beat them, I'm not going to say you're not the best team. So I'm going to take Clemson as well. I'm going to say 38-35, okay. Clemson. I'm going to take a little bit lower than you just so we can be different because I'm annoying like that. But okay. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting for Off sure. Off air, that was the same score that we had. I know. 42-39. That's the same score. <laughs> For sure. All right, let's talk. Let's talk now. Let's talk my favorite part of the show. We're yeah. going to talk the Merck Zone mock draft. So while you pull up your mock draft, well, I'm going to give our our listeners who have maybe just joined us on the last couple episodes here. So basically, last year, please go back to our archives and listen too, because that was a fun time for both of us. But basically, the Merck Zone mock draft. 
Mike finds a mock draft written by some guy, ESPN, Walter Football. You know, name a guy, he'll find him. And basically, we go over these mock drafts basically to kind of point out whether or not we agree, whether we can predict who's going to get picked by the Lions, picking third overall as of this recording. Um, we kind of go over the top five or so. We'll kind of go through each first couple rounds for the Lions as well, just to kind of get a fit of what other people around the world or around the league are kind of saying. What are the holes or what potential players are going to be there when the Lions pick? It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm a big draft guy. Um, I'm very much, and if you're a Detroit Lions fan, half time, this is what you look forward to. So, unfortunately, so it's going to be something fun. We, we haven't had a high enough, we haven't had this high of a draft pick in a really long time. Um, so it should be fun for sure. So Mike, yes. let's go ahead. Give me who, uh, where this mock draft is from, when it was published, so we can kind of go through that. Obviously, we're not we're not going to go through every pick in the first round. A because we don't know who's picking where, and two, I don't really care what everyone else is doing after my team, quite frankly. <laughs> so, um, but I know this is a three rounder. You said right. This is a three rounder. It's okay. from Walter Football. Walter Football updated okay. yesterday. Updated yesterday. Okay. Or I guess this morning. This like morning? the fourth. Yeah. Or the fifth. Or fifth. Something. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, so pretty pretty recent, right? You know, the first 20 or so picks have been already kind of, you know, slotted in there. These are um, are there any trades in this, especially pertaining to our Detroit Lions? Um, like nope, nope, but nope. Okay. Um, it does update that Miami has, like, four first-round picks. Right, right, so okay. So they, they traded previously to this. Right, right, right. Obviously. Okay, yeah, for sure. So, you know, we don't do trades here. Obviously, it's, you, you can never really predict a trade. So we're going just straight Honestly, off of that, but... You know, there always is something happens, but, you know, regardless. So let's go right in here. Let's go first overall, Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to assume it's Mr. Burrow. Yes, it is Mr. I, Burrow. I, I thought you were going to say it wasn't. I was going to be like, wow, I'm starting off this segment with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it is Mr. Burrow going right. number one to Cincinnati. Right. Um, They say that Ryan Finley is not the guy for the future. No. And... Uh, he'd, be a, he'd be a big, <laughs> big increase there. Yeah, obviously, right? You know, obviously the Red Rocket's probably going to be gone. Yes. You know, Finley's a guy, you know, you can kind of throw a football sometimes. And Cincinnati needs help everywhere, so why not rebuild it and rebuild it with a guy who you think can be your franchise? Yes. All right, so number two, Washington Redskins. Oh, I'm going to say Chase Young because I'm assuming that's going to happen. It's going to piss me off, but, yeah. It is Chase it Young. It is Chase Young? Yes. Yeah, okay. I mean, you look at it, Ron Rivera, right? They're not going to hire a GM in Washington until after the draft, which I think is hilarious. So Ron Rivera clearly going to have quite a bit of say, I would assume, in their first draft, right? We're going to talk about um, Black Monday that happened next week. We're going to talk about the NFL coaching um, firings, um, just to kind of break you guys into that as well, give you a little preview for next week. But uh, Ron Rivera, the new head coach in Washington already, right? That was mm-hmm. really fast. Um the fact that he's there, he's a defensive-oriented guy, right? That's how they got to the Super Bowl, was on Cam's MVP season, slash having a top-five defense. Um, he could be their Julius Peppers guy, you know, that they would have there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, that it, it makes all the sense in the world. It just frustrates me as a Lions fan person. <laughs> all right, number three, number our three, Detroit Lions. Your Detroit Lions. Be excited, Mike. Woo! Who do you think they're drafting? Um, give me why. Based off of that, um, I'm going to say Akuda, the cornerback out of Ohio State. Reason why there's some uncertainty with Slay there, whether or not he signs an extension or they trade him. Um, I don't think you have a solid number two clue. I think they like what they have at Awari, but that's still way too early to decide. Rashawn Melvin's on a one-year deal. I don't, you know, Justin Coleman's going to play your slot regardless. He's mm. he's here um, unless they would make, and I'm assuming they don't go in the corner market later, mm. in, or at least in the uh, in free agency. So notwithstanding, I would say that's probably the pick, knowing that they want to be able to shut people down. They don't like the bl- they don't like to blitz a lot, mm-hmm. so everyone's going to play a lot of man coverage. Yep. Uh, you were correct. They ah, do pick Jeff right. Okuda, going back at Ohio State. There's also a slight option that they might choose Derek Brown, the defensive lineman from Auburn, in okay. the spot also. Okay. Well, uh, pending what they do in free agency, obviously, right, if they yeah. get a corner. Obviously, and and that's this the is guy. really going to get more concrete the more weeks we go. And you guys will kind of, we're going to do this every week leading up to the draft. It's a lot of draft coverage by us because, you know, as we, well, there's only so much playoff talk we can do. There's only so many things you can talk about, especially here in Detroit with the fact that all of our sports teams are terrible. But, um, you know, where it stands right now, right, would I be upset if they took a D lineman? Not necessarily, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even if Chase Young is on the board, they take Chase Young. I don't think that necessarily transforms their defense by any means. Um, but I do think that 
It needs to be a defensive pick. I do think that this pick is extremely important on what they do if they stay at number three. Um, it needs to be a pick that they are confident that they will land, and it needs to hit, and it needs to hit immediately. Yep. You know what I mean? It's my only hesitation, honestly, with taking a corner that early is because cornerback is such a hard position to play, and the tr- the difference between college speed and professional speed, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. is pretty sizable. You yes. know what I mean? It's not as easy to just go plug and play and let's just let the rookie shut somebody down. It doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think Darrell Revis is really the last corner, maybe Jalen Ramsey, to yeah. really be a guy just to go, oh, shut him down immediately. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A lot of guys don't have that. So while I predicted that pick, I don't necessarily know if that's where I would go. Mm-hmm. I would honestly rather spend money and go Grab another guy, like go grab a solid second if you're going to keep Slay, and then focus more on the defense of the front seven. But I understand why they make the pick. Uh, uh, number four, New York Giants are up. Um, I would say, I would right say they could take that tackle from Auburn, honestly, just based off of the fact that who's on your D-line? You trade away Olivier Vernon. I don't. I can't name another guy on their defensive line, to be honest with you. So I'm going to say the defensive lineman. All right. Um, well, you are incorrect. Damn. First incorrection of the year. Damn. Uh, they picked Jer- <laughs> Jerry Judy, wide receiver out Alabama. Reason being, they don't have a true number one. Right. They have Saquon. Darius Slayton. They have Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate. Yeah. But, like, I think Jerry Judy would be, like, oh, they're number, number one. one. They're number one. That doesn't shock me. Yeah, I didn't think about that, honestly. I figured they'd go defense just because their defense is so atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, that's a, that's a solid pick. I mean, that's a pick, honestly, if you're a Lions fan – if for whatever reason stuff hits the fan and maybe they trade back a couple spots, say with the Miami, we'll get into that more once everything's kind of finalized, especially after free agency. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. But that's kind of something where um, you look at and you go, okay, you know, that's a pick theoretically. If Jerry Judy's there, say it's seven. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Lions pair him with Galladay and we're off to the races. Yep. And then to round out the top five yep. Miami picks, who do they pick? Oh, boy. It's going to be a quarterback. I, I, I'm going to assume it's Tua as of this recording, just based on whether or not he declared. I would say Tua. I don't think there's another quarterback right now ready to go. That's that's that high. You are correct. It nah, is Tua. Right. Tonga Vailova. Like, bro- I thought you were sure you were going to say, like, no, actually it's Herbert. And I go, oh, no. okay, well. <laughs> no, interesting enough, Herbert is projected to go to the Chargers at number six. Wow. Really? Yeah, thinking that Phil Rivers probably has like one more year left. Yeah. He could sit behind for right. a year and he'd plug and play right away in that system that they have there. Right, for sure. Yeah, but Tua obviously, right, you know, pretty good college career, I would say. You know, national champion, all that good stuff. Um, Miami needs a new face. Clearly, it's not Josh Rosen. I, isn't it amazing how fast Josh Rosen went from, oh, he could be okay to, wow, he's really not good? Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like quite quickly. Yeah, like really, really fast. Like Arizona's definitely not bummed out that they traded that they have Kyler Murray right now. Um, but extremely interesting. Uh, Miami clearly needs a quarterback. I think with enough picks, though, I don't know if they pick at five. That's mm-hmm. that's my only thing. You know what I mean? If you're a Lions fan on the trade down train, Mike, you made a great point about that where theoretically if you could get the fifth pick and Miami wants to trade for whatever reason, if they get wind that another team wants to move up ahead of them mm-hmm. to get a quarterback – that's a team that you're really hoping because they have multiple first-round picks. You could possibly address, you know, a skill position on defense as well as offense in the first round if you're Detroit. So, all right, let's go. Let's go now. Any other notable besides Herbert? Any other quarterbacks or anything notable going in the first round that we want to mention? Uh, not too much. And interesting enough, no Michigan or Michigan State guys go in the first round this year. What? No way. What? No way. Crazy. No Shea Patterson? No Shea Patterson. <laughs> it's unfortunate. No Brian Lewerke? No. Oh, man. He had... Brown written all over him. Yeah, I know. It's, it's very unfortunate. <laughs> right. All right, let's go round two. Okay, so round two. So uh, we open with Cincinnati picking Alex Leatherwood, uh, guard from Alabama. That'll get you. That'll get your heart right. And the Indianapolis courts pick Jacob Eason, quarterback out of Washington. That doesn't see now. That doesn't shock me because you know, listening to their pro, their uh, end of the season you know press conference, you know, did I like Jacoby Brissett? Yes. That is a team the Colts. Who, if they fall in love with the team and fall in love with the guy like, say, Justin Herbert, they have enough ammunition, I think, to go. You know what? We think we can. We have enough. Ca- they have so much cap space right now. Indy does. It's crazy. Um, with that, the cap space. I think they like their defense. I think they like Frank Reich as a head coach. I think they have some pieces. You know, in the offensive line game, especially. Mm-hmm. I think giving them a solid stud quarterback, a Herbert of some sort, right, where he can go. Hey, listen. 
Jacoby's our starter to begin the year, but that leash is so short. Give the ball to Marlon Mack a bunch. Throw the mm-hmm. ball to T.Y. Hilton. Go get a wide receiver in, in free agency somewhere. And I think you're really cooking in Indy. So that wouldn't shock me to see them as a team that's definitely willing to kind of maneuver up and down the board to go get a guy they think kind of complete the puzzle there. Mm-hmm. So I think, honestly, we were talking about them as a Super Bowl contender with Andrew like a quarterback. All right. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I have no idea who the Lions would go in round. I'm assuming they. I would. I would honestly think they'd go offense, but maybe because they think their defense is so terrible that they're going to go defense. No, they do go offense. Do they? They yep. go wide receiver. Nope. Ooh. They go they running back. I hate this draft. Then this is the stupidest thing. Why? Who? Najee Harris, running back out of Alabama. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not loving that. And so here are some available guys <laughs> later in the draft that they could pick. Yeah. Uh, guys like J.K. Dobbins. Jonathan See, Taylor. I, already, if you have to go running back, it's Dobbins or, or Jonathan Taylor. Honestly. T. Higgins from Clemson still available yeah. at this pick. They take a running back again in round two. I might flip over a table on the show the next time we come on okay. board when they actually – I hate that pick. I absolutely hate that. Yeah. All right, so we head to the third round after I was very upset with – That was just uh, – well, it's just like for me, it's like, you know what, I get the carry-on thing. You know, I think they like Bo Scarborough, but, man, do I really not want to take another running back that early. You have so many other holes. So the we're opening the third round. Cincinnati picks a linebacker out of LSU, Jacob Phillips. Okay. Um, Washington picks a corner out of LSU, mm-hmm. Christian Fulton. That's <laughs> awesome. Back to back picks in the top of the rounds. There you go. And the Lions will go defense. Okay. They pick. uh, Defensive end. Nope. Anthony Jennings, linebacker out of Alabama. Wow, we're just going off the Bama tree, huh? Yep. Matt Patricia needs a centerpiece for the defense as Lions have struggled to cover in the space for quite a while. So, what is he again? He's a middle line, or just a linebacker. Linebacker, yes, okay. Yeah. Now doesn't that, say middle or outside. Right, that doesn't necessarily shock me. I don't know if they're in love with Jared Davis necessarily. I think Tavai is a piece they can build off of for yes. sure. Um, it just depends on what they're going to do. I, I, I'm interested to see, too, you know, we're going to talk about this next week, too, the Lions staff changes. Um, but depending on who they bring a defensive coordinator, if they're still going to run this Patricia scheme or if it's going to be some hybrid of that with something else. Mm. Um I'm not necessarily against it, but it's like how many how many throws at this dartboard are you gonna make? You just mm-hmm. re-signed Christian Jones, you got Drew Davis, you got Tavai, you've got Kennard here. You got a lot of guys that you invested some money or capital in, mm-hmm. and you know whether or not they're producing or not is yet to be seen. But it's you know it's interesting nonetheless. I'm not necessarily in love with that draft though. Yeah. Honestly. And to it's round kind of, out the third round, the yeah. Baltimore Ravens pick Travis Etienne out of Clemson. There you go. There you go. That's it's a, a pick. pick. All of a sudden, he just kills it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it for the first episode of the first or the first episode of the Mark's Own Mock Draft. Uh, that's going to wrap up episode 58. Uh, anything you have to say, Mike, before we go off the air today? I have anything? nothing to say. No? Was I supposed to say something? Go Tigers? Nothing? Oh, go Tigers! <laughs> Which one? Uh, not the 13 Reasons Why Tigers. Oh. Maybe. And not the, oh yeah, it's LSU Tigers, right? <laughs> the Clemson and LSU. <laughs> not the LSU Tigers. Okay. <laughs> no, not the LSU Tigers. We'll go Clemson Tigers, baby. <laughs> Clemson Tigers is. All right. For the Mystic Whale Man, for the Merc Zone, I'm the Moth Michigan, and we will see you guys as always next time.